Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're continuing our series, God Given, and the intent of this series is to focus on the blessings that God has given each and every one of us. And uh, today, the topic that I want to talk about um, in our sixth week of this or our seventh week of this series is worship. And um, before we get started, I just really feel, I know we pray a lot in this church, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, I really feel impressed. I want to just start with prayer. Um, I don't know if you guys, before I read my Bible, before I listen to my Bible, before I uh, get into a devotional, I always pray that God um, open up my heart, my mind, so that I could see what you want me to see. And that's my prayer for us today as I, as I share God's word, as I share this message I, I want all of us to be able to walk away with something. Uh, I don't want church to be, it should never be a waste of time. It should be a, an opportunity for where our lives are being touched and, and changed by his power. So today I want to just take a moment and just pray. And I want you guys to believe with me. And if you're here today and you want to see life change in your life, because I'm always wanting more life change. If you, if you want that, if you expect that, then just agree with me today as I pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is powerful and it is effective. And I pray today, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that your word will come and reach out to us and speak into our hearts and our minds so that, God, we could do ultimately the one thing that that you've asked us to do, Lord God, is to continue to follow you because, Lord, we want to become more and more like you. Lead us today, I pray, in your word, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? I read a funny story the other day or a while back and about a worship time where a mom and a daughter were worshiping at church and I don't know I grew up old school and we used to worship for you know there was none of this 20-25 minutes we'd worship an hour before church and then we'd worship two hours after church and and I, I read this story one time when the mom and this little girl was they were worshiping and it was the old song I exalt thee that's why I'm not the worship leader but we just keep on I exalt thee and they were worshiping, and, 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 and pretty soon, you know, after quite a while, she looked down at her little girl, and she sees her girl with her hands raised, I'm exhausted, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I share that funny story because sometimes we think worship is only about singing. It only happens when we sing. And it is true that worship can be a part of when we sing, in fact, that's why I love our, our opportunity in the mornings when we sing together because it's a part of our praise and worship. But worship is not singing. Worship is an attitude of expression out of reverence and adoration for God. Yeah. Webster's Dictionary says it this way, worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. It's the idea of surrendering before God. And there's, there's a difference between praise and worship. Praise is acknowledging God's goodness, is acknowledging God's righteousness. We are to praise God for all of his goodness, for all the wonderful things that he's done into our lives, and we should praise God more. But worship goes far deeper. Worship deals with the direction of your heart. Jesus said, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Worship is reserved for God alone. There is no room to worship anyone else 
but God alone. You can praise others, but you can only worship God. That's an important factor to take away when you're thinking about worship. It's for God. Notice that Jesus connects in this scripture, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He connects worship and service together. Why is that? Because Jesus knows that you will serve what you worship. If you worship yourself, then guess what? You're going to serve yourself. If you worship God, guess what? You're going to serve God. You worship what you, you will serve what you worship. That's why Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or both God and mammon. You have to make a choice. It's not that there's anything wrong with money, but money was never created for something that we serve. Money is always to serve us. It's for us to do good things. It's for us to make a difference in the lives of people. It's for us to provide for our families. It's for us to give to the church and make a way into our community. See, money is something that should serve us, not, not the other way around. The only one that we serve is God. What you worship will determine who you will serve. And what you serve will determine the direction of your life, which matters to God. Initially, you might not think of worship as something that is God-given, because that's our series, God-given. You might not think worship is something God-given. That's something I choose. And it's true that you must choose to worship God. But I will say this, that worship, this heart of worship, is something that God gives you. And it's important to understand it's a wonderful gift that God has enabled us to be able to do to be able to worship. King David understood this important truth as you discover as you read through the Psalms. And Psalms 19.1 starts off, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaim His handiwork. Have you ever sat outside and just looked at the stars? I know it's hard to see them in Orange County, but when you go out and you go camping, you go out, out into the wilderness or out into this, and you look up and you see all the stars and you just go like, wow. In David's mind, the idea... To not worship God was ludicrous. It should be a natural response to creation. It should be just a natural response to how intricate I am, how God created me. It should be naturally, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Why wouldn't I worship God? See, God has set in each of us a heart and an ability to worship. Today, I want to share with you how directing your worship to God will forever change your life. I think it's something that's so missing in today's society is that we're not worshiping the one true God. Today, I'm going to step on toes. I'm, I apologize ahead of time if I do. Come to me afterwards. But I'm not going to apologize for God. God's, God's in the business of stepping on toes. Today, I want to share with you how... Worship will change your life. And remember the key verse of our series is John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and life abundantly. An abundant life. Satan wants to steal your worship. A few weeks ago I spoke on the message of identity. And I mentioned how Satan was trying to get Jesus to bow down in, during the temptation time, when he was out in the wilderness, Jesus, or Satan was trying to get Jesus to bow down and worship him, to worship Satan. It is here where Jesus states these words I was just sharing. He says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. 
There is no other option. If Satan, I want you to catch this up. If Satan wanted to steal Jesus' worship, if Satan so badly wanted Jesus to worship him, then it stands to reason that your worship, your worship is vital to your success. Your worship is vital to your spiritual success in your life. So the question we should ask ourselves, what are we worshiping? The second question that we should ask ourselves, what are our children worshiping? Where, where are our families heading? What direction is my marriage going? Where are my kids going? Why are they worshiping these things instead of worshiping God? Well, you got to look back at yourself and say, what am I worshiping? I told you I was stepping on toes, and now I'm not apologizing, so there. We all worship something. The reason is because we were created to worship. God put it in our hearts to worship. We might worship our favorite sports athletes, you know, go Seahawks. Yeah, there you go. Any Houston fans in there? Come on, you guys won the World Series. So there we go. No Houston fans. Well, I, I know there's some Texans in here. but A little, okay, you're afraid to worship now. <laughs> we might worship the stock market, our investments. We might worship our career. We might, we might worship celebrities. Remember the Justin Bieber days? Remember those days? All the little girls, ah. Or for some of you that are older, remember the Elvis days, ah. But we were never created to worship things or we were never created to worship other people. We are only created to worship God. Today the big push in our culture is the idea, and Brett always spoke about it during our pre-service prayer, is the idea of worshiping self. We see it through our society. In fact, in our, even in our social media, you just can't hardly get away from it. It's just always there. It's about the worship of self. In fact, you could argue that the worship of self is the fastest growing religion in America. In the book, Good Faith, Being a Christian When Society Thinks You're Irrelevant and Extreme. In that book, it says, the authors, the authors document that 84% of Americans believe enjoying yourself is the highest goal in life. Now, I think sometimes these quizzes or these tests or these, these, these polls that they take, it just has these things. Oh, that sounds good. Okay, I'll check it off. But people just don't really think what they're checking off. Enjoying yourself is the highest goal in life. 84% of Americans believe that. 86% believe that to enjoy life, you must pursue the things that you desire the most. Pursue the things that you desire. What do you really desire the most? You better make sure what you desire the most is godly. 91% believe the following statement. To find yourself, look within yourself. I would warn you, thinking in this direction is in direct conflict with Scripture. John the Baptist said he must increase but I must decrease, speaking of Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone would come, would come after me, let him deny, hear that word, let him deny himself and follow me. Take up his cross and follow me. 
The Apostle Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer about me, myself, and I. It's all about who Jesus is in my life. The Apostle Paul understand what worship was all about. It wasn't worshiping myself, it was worshiping Jesus. I'm sorry, but the idea of self-love, and it's not that we shouldn't understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully created. It's not that we shouldn't understand who we are in Christ. But this idea of self-love that is promoted from this world's perspective, pursuing our enjoyment above all things, is just not scriptural. Read your Bible. It's not scriptural. If you don't believe me, look at the life of Jesus. Sacrifice. Look at the life of the apostles. Sacrifice. Jesus gave the disciples this new command. He says, love one another just as I have loved you. And one of the things, the older I get, the more I discover, the more I love God, the more, I, the more capability I have to love others. The more I walk in God's presence, the more I walk in God's love, the greater I have to be able to love those that maybe sometimes I just struggle with loving. Because it's no longer my love that has so many conditions, all of a sudden becomes God's love that is unconditional. And all of a sudden when you grab a hold of that unconditional love, you can love someone that you would not normally love because the power of, the God, of God's spirit is residing within you and he gives you that capability. It's something powerful. It's life-changing. Love one another just as I loved you. The higher emphasis was never the worship of self. But it was the worship of God. Paul warns Timothy about this idea of self-worship in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He says, but understand this. This is Paul's words. That in the last days, and you would think when you see this scripture, you're thinking that when Paul talks about the last days, you're going to talk, he's going to talk about rumors of war, destruction, all these kind of things. Listen to what Paul focuses on. In the last days, there will, be, there will come times of difficulty. What are the difficulties? For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, shame on you, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, looking like you're doing all that, looking like you're a great Christian, but then you're denying the power of the Holy Spirit that was supposed to reside in you. Avoid such people, Paul says. See, we were never created to worship self. We were created to worship God. Jesus said this about the true followers. He says, the hour is coming. And is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Who, are, who or what we worship is essential to our success. The main reason you were created was not to be a teacher. It was not to be a financial advisor. It was not to be a salesperson, a police officer, a UPS driver, a father, a mother, a pastor. The main reason you were created was to worship God. That was the reason you were created. All those other things are not, there's nothing wrong with any of those other things. Unless those things all of a sudden elevate above worshiping God. 
When Jesus came to this earth in the form of, the ba- a, form of a baby, the angels worshipped him. The shepherds worshipped him. The magi worshipped him. We are created for that purpose. See, worship is an act of surrender. And there's, man, that's one of the things I love about our worship time on Sunday mornings when we start to sing and we start to praise and start to get, when I start to raise my hand, all of a sudden I start to feel this act of surrender in my heart and in my life. And I just surrender, Lord, it's all yours. Everything I have, everything that I am, it's all yours, Lord. I surrender to you. Lead me, guide me. See, there's an act of surrender in worship that is so powerful that all of a sudden it is no longer through my strength, it's through his strength. It's like a little child when they get into trouble, when they see their daddy or their mommy, all of a sudden, pick me up. See, that's surrender. Lord, I'm a little deep now. Help. I surrender to you. And it needs to be a life, not just when we're in trouble. It needs to be our life every moment of the day. Paul writes, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is to surrender to God's purpose. At times, this is impossible to do in our own strength. We need the power of God's help upon us. Remember, Jesus states, True worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. The NIV translates that word, the spirit, capital S. Meaning that it's the spirit of God that infills you and helps you to worship. Spirit is not referencing this in the scripture, our earthly or carnal spirit. It's referencing our spirit that has been transformed by the Holy Spirit. You can't do it in your own natural strength. Guess what? It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon your life and it touches your spirit that you can worship God in spirit and in truth. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning our bodies have been created as a place where God's spirit can reside. If you want to experience greater godly joy and peace in your life, then you create an environment of generous worship towards God. It will not only change your life. Let me catch this. It will not only change your life, it'll change your family's life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your kids. When you create an environment of worship at your home, at your workplace, in your car, wherever you might go, it's going, instead of yelling at one another, instead of arguing with one another, instead of fighting with one another, instead of not talking to one another, create an environment of worship and watch what takes place in your family. It will change your life. Don't let the enemy steal away. What God has given to you for his glory and for your good. You were created to worship God. And as a church, that's one of the environments of our church is generous worship. Let me share four practical thoughts. Four thoughts. Pastor, that's just the beginning. Yes, it is. Here we go. It's going to go fast. Stay with me. The first thing is this. Worship defeats the plan of the enemy. When you worship, you defeat the plan of the enemy. Remember what the theme verse? The thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. The enemy wants to take, he wants to destroy, he wants to steal your worship. The plan of the enemy is to to destroy your life spiritually. The apostle Peter writes, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The enemy is skimming against you. He doesn't want you to succeed. But when you worship, you disrupt the enemy's plan. It's the greatest weapon that you have is when you start to worship. 
There's nothing that causes more havoc to the devil than when you worship God. Throughout Jesus' temptation, you find him worshiping his heavenly father. When he was taken out into the wilderness, when he was tempted for, well, he's out there for 40 days and then he was tempted by Satan, you find that he continues to worship God. He refused to give any ground to the devil. The Bible states these words in James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submit. It's the, it's the idea of surrender. It's the idea of worshiping. It's the idea of coming under the authority of someone greater, God. When we surrender to God, we are naturally opposing the plan of the devil. And I want you to grab a hold of this idea. I want you to grab a hold of this thought. It says, and he will flee from you. Speaking of the devil, that the devil will flee from you. If you look into the Greek on that word flee, it can also mean the word escape. That he will escape from you. Something never has to escape from you unless you're the one in control. You didn't catch that. There's the only reason the devil needs to escape from you is because you have the authority. See, you have the authority in Christ Jesus. He, you have the power in the name of Jesus. We sing it on Sunday morning. Will you start believing it in your heart? You have the authority. You can call down those things that are not of God and say, no, no, no. You are not going to have any authority over my life anymore. And guess what? The devil doesn't just flee from you. He wants to escape from you because all of a sudden you're residing in God's presence. And the devil hates God's presence. He can't stand to be in God's presence. You put him on his heels. It's like taking a Louisville slugger back and cracking him up, the devil up inside the head. I know that sounds a little graphic. But Genesis 3.15 states that when Jesus died and rose again, he broke the power of death. And it crushed the head and the plans of the devil. The devil has already been defeated. We just need to be on the right team. Our worship declares that what, what team we have chosen. Did you catch that? Our worship declares what team we have chosen. When I go to a football game, you're going to know what team I have chosen. When I go to a Seahawk game, uh, don't boo me now. When I go to a Seahawk game and I get there and I go to the actual state, what's our stadium called now? SoFi Stadium? Whatever. No, no, Safeco Field. It used to be Safeco Field. Not, I can't remember what it is. Anyhow, when you go to that stadium, it's deafening. You can't even hear yourself. It's so loud. I went to SoFi Stadium to watch the Seahawks a couple weeks ago. I think, this ain't no football. What are you? They were entertaining us. They had these graphics all over the place. They had drummers going. They had this DJ playing. I almost forgot to watch the game. There were so many things going on. And you go to Seattle, there's none of that. It's just standing and yelling. That's all there is. But, but I share that. If you go to the Green Bay Packers, there's nothing, they're just standing and yelling. I mean, that's just, it's, yeah. I share that because we declare what side we're on in so many areas of our life, but we get wishy-washy with Jesus. Our worship declares which side we're on. I got to get going here. Second, worship breaks a poverty mindset. The enemy wants to live in a poverty mindset. I'm not talking about finances here. 
I'm talking about the enemy doesn't want you to prosper in, in goodness, in forgiveness, in love, in grace. The enemy wants to keep you in a bondage, in, 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 in a, a heart that's filled with hate and jealousy and all those kind of crazy things. I think of the story, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the woman at the well in John chapter 4. The sins of her life have overwhelmed her and Satan was using that to hold that against her. And, and, and she was held in bondage and, and, and Jesus goes out of his way. He, takes, he detours, he takes another route just because he wants to meet this lady. He wants to help her life. And see, nothing would have ever changed in the, in the woman at the well unless Jesus came. See, when Jesus showed up, he shared with her the truth and her life could be set free. Jesus shared with her the revelation that there is more to life than just this water that's provided there at Jacob's well. No, there's a living water that I can give to you. That's what Jesus is saying. And it can change your life. It's found in him. See, that's what abundance is all about. The abundance is the presence of God in your life. Jesus is in that scripture where Jesus shared how true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Meaning that worship has to be more than just religion. Worship has to be more than just a practice. Worship comes from a broken and contrite heart. It comes from an obedient heart in our lives that we're choosing to follow after Jesus. It's a heart that's being transformed by the power of God's spirit. When we point our worship to God, all of a sudden what happens is it starts to break us away from this poverty mindset that so many times we allow to creep into our lives. The woe is me attitude, the victim mentality that is defeated and broken. I believe on that day, I believe on that day when the woman at the well met Jesus and he started sharing with her, she left with a changed mindset. She didn't leave. She went, the way that she arrived at the well and the way that she left the well, man, her mind was touched by the power of God. She left her bucket. She went to proclaim, I have met the Savior. I have met the Savior. It changed her perspective. When we worship, when we take time to worship, all of a sudden it's at that moment we meet our Savior personally and it changes our perspective. It takes our mind off of ourselves. Whoa, is me. Why did that person say this? Why did that person have to do that? And all of a sudden, you know what? It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because I know Jesus. Everything is set in the right way. Your worship towards God breaks you away from living a spiritually bankrupt life to live a grateful life with God's wonderful blessings. The third thing, worship awakens God's power in your life. Another one of my favorite stories is the story of Paul and Silas when they all of a sudden they get locked up in prison in the Philippi and the Macedonian. They're going on their way. They're preaching the good news of the gospel. And all of a sudden they find themselves beaten and thrown into the inner dungeon of this Macedonian jail. And, and they, they don't know, you know, that, that's a tough place to be. What would you do if you put yourself in that same situation? And all of a sudden what they chose to do around midnight, they just decided, you know what, we're going to start praying and we're going to start praising God and we're going to start worshiping God. And all of a sudden, in the midst of their worship, guess what takes place? A miracle starts to take place. A miracle happens in their life. All of a sudden, an earthquake comes, and it breaks the shackles off. It breaks the chains off their life. It opens up the prison doors. They're set free at that moment. Why? Because they decided, you know what, we're going to worship God. And when you start worshiping God in your life, it starts to unlock the power of God over your life. And all of a sudden, things start to be set free. Think bondages start to be broken or forgotten. Some things, the bondage has already been broken. You just keep bringing it back up. Stop bringing it back up. That's a word for somebody today. Stop it. 
Stop confessing it over your life. Start confessing Jesus. See what takes place. See, Satan was trying to steal their worship, but no, no, no. Even in the midst of their difficult circumstances, what they chose to do was to keep on worshiping God. It changed their circumstances. Miracles take place in our worship. The miracle of the Bible began with worship. When you read through the miracles of the Bible, it begins with worship. The miracle that's going to begin in your life will begin when you worship. When Jesus fed the 5,000, he took the five loaves and the two fish. And he, and he, and he prays, he raises his hands up to heaven, he prays. And he prays this prayer of blessing and thankfulness and gratefulness. It's really an act of worship. And that's when the miracle took place. See, he was thinking, Jesus was thanking God for five loaves, two fish. He knew what God was, he knew what his heavenly father was about ready to do. And all of a sudden, 5,000. More than that. It says 5,000 men. 5,000, it could be 10,000 were fed with five loaves and two fish. Because all of a sudden we start putting our worship towards God. Miracles begin to happen. If you need a miracle, begin to worship. Last thing. Worship fulfills your purpose. When you worship, you're surrendering yourself to God's will. And all of a sudden, the emptiness of this life, the emptiness of this life on earth just doesn't matter that much anymore because all of a sudden, you're no longer empty. You're filled with God's presence. It's what Jesus refers to as living an abundant life. See, he told his disciples that you're going to live an abundant life. And yet when you read the stories of the disciples, guess what, man? Some of them were crucified. Some of them were boiled in oil. Most of them died. Most of them became martyrs. But then if you go around the world, there's places where there's monuments where they're set up because of the apostles who went to different places of India and all over the world where all of a sudden they gave up their life for the gospel. That's living an abundant life. Because, see, their life didn't die at that moment. Their life continued to be spread because of the power of Jesus. The gospel was being heard, being setting people free. In worshiping God, you will find God's presence, all the worship. Anything else that you worship is counterfeit to God. Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual which is your spiritual worship. What's your spiritual worship? To to present your bodies, to present your lives as a living sacrifice. Our life is to be a living sacrifice. We're going to take communion in just a few moments. If you're watching us online, I encourage you to get some juice and some bread and join us in communion here in just a few moments. Our life is a living sacrifice. If you think of sacrifices in the Old Testament, it's an animal a sheep or, or goat was being killed and offered as a sacrifice. And it's hard for us to understand in today's society. That doesn't make sense to us. But in, in Old Testament, it was the idea of offering something of value to God as a form of worship. I'm going to bring this because it's valuable to me. This, this lamb is valuable to me. This lamb, I want to bring this and it's going to be a form of worship in my life. And then what takes place God, let me show you what worship is. The Lamb of God, His Son, one and only Son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to bring Jesus to this earth. 
And he's going to be sacrificed once and for all time, for all of eternity, for your sins and for, for all world sins. From, from the very first sin, and the, from the very first sin in the Garden of Eden to the very, to the eternity. Jesus' sacrifice is once and for all for each and every one of us. Paul writes in the scripture that we are to be now present, are now, are now present our bodies as a living sacrifice, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus' sacrifice made Old Testament sacrifices obsolete. The only acceptable response to Jesus' great sacrifice is to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice back to God. What does that look like, Pastor Tom? I don't know what a living sacrifice looks like. I tell you one thing, it's better than a dead sacrifice. Amen? Living sacrifice is surrendering to God's will and direction. Paul writes that next verse in Romans 12 too, the following verse. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable, and what is perfect. Worship is a God-given gift, because as we worship God, guess what? The power of His Spirit transforms our life. Spiritually, we cannot transform our mind in our own strength. You can't spiritually. It happens through the influence of God's Spirit in your life. And the more that you worship, point your heart and direction of your life towards God as a living sacrifice, guess what? The more that your mind is conformed, not to the things of this world, but conformed to the things of heaven. It's transformed. Today, as we take communion, it's an opportunity for us to remember the great sacrifice that Jesus did on our behalf. That's why we do communion. We do it once a month. We do it on the first Sunday of the month unless something, for some reason, we can't do it. We do it on the first Sunday of the month. And it's a biblical principle that we practice. We can never be a church that doesn't remember that the sacrifice, the reason that we're here today is to gather is to worship Jesus who made the sacrifice once and for all for all sin. Amen? If we ever become a church that doesn't remember that, we, you might as well just cease being a church. You're just a fun club that gets together but we're here to honor Christ and remember the sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us but today I would like to think about our response to Jesus' sacrifice I want to think about your response to Jesus' sacrifice I want to make it change it up just a little bit today in communion are we willing to respond to Jesus' great sacrifice by presenting our own lives as a living sacrifice? Have you ever thought about that? When we take communion today, are you taking communion not only to honor God for his sacrifice, but are you willing to step forward in faith and say, Lord, let my life be a living sacrifice before you? That's the heart that we should have. Are we willing to surrender every area of our life before Jesus? See, that's God's desire for you today. Before we take communion, I want you to just bow your heads for just a moment. And if you're here today, or if you're watching us online, and you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus, you have never made that commitment, you've never made that choice to follow Jesus. Today I encourage you 
that this is the hour, this is the time, this is the day of salvation. Don't let it go past. Because Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He wants to change your life. He wants to give you a new life. He wants you to experience living water, the power of His Spirit. And the way that we do is by making a commitment to Jesus today. And I want each and every one of us to say a prayer. And if you're here today and you want to make that commitment to follow after Jesus, I want you to say this prayer and mean it in your heart. And then I want you to tell someone about your commitment today. It could be me, it could be one of the pastors, it could be a close friend. But tell someone, share someone with someone what the decision that you made today. If you're watching us online and you know that this word is speaking to you, then say this prayer with me, each and every one of us today. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Forgive me of my sins. Today I choose to follow you. Give me the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. I love you, Lord. Amen. If you said that prayer, guess what? All heaven is rejoicing. If you said that prayer and you meant it in your heart and your life, all heaven is rejoicing with you you made a choice to follow Jesus. You are becoming a living sacrifice that is honoring Him and glorifying God. Glorifying God. Today, we're going to honor God and remember what Christ did for us. I want you to take on the bottom of your cup is hopefully you haven't opened the top because it's going to be hard after that, but you can just open it this way. There's the piece of bread. That piece of bread represents the body of Jesus Christ that was beaten and broken for each and every one of us. It was broken prior to him going on the cross. They beat him. They put thorns on his head. The Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. First, the most important healing of our lives is spiritually. It's our salvation. But then, you know what? God cares about you. He can heal you emotionally. He can heal you spiritually. He can heal you physically. Today, if you need healing in your life, I want you to believe it. And I want you to take this with me. And I want to say thank you, Jesus, for the power of your spirit upon my life today. Lord, we thank you for the broken body, the sacrifice made for each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord God, that you did it because you loved us. We love you, Lord. Go ahead and take the bread. The cup represents just juice, but it represents the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no repentance or no forgiveness of sins. There's no remission of sin. That's why Jesus came. There had to be blood shed for once and for all because of sin. And he did it for you and for me. We take this in remembrance of who Jesus is in our life. Jesus is not dead, guys very much alive. On the third day, he rose again and went to heaven. He ascended into heaven. On that third day, he is alive. And it says in scripture that the very power that rose Christ from the dead is the very power that resides in a Christian's life. Come on. That's powerful. We take this and we thank God for his power in our life and we do this in remembrance of him. We partake of 
Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the power to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. And I pray for lives to be touched and lives to be changed as we continue to glorify you in each and every way. Stand with me today. We're going to continue to worship. I'm going to open the altars if I have deacons here. Please come down. If you need prayer here today, we would love to pray with you. But one of the things I want to remember is that we're sending a team to Ecuador. And I want to pray over them as well. And how many are here that are standing here that are going to Ecuador? You get, Come on up to the front. Paula, come up to the front. Is Zach here? Where's Zach at? Uh, Zach, can he, can, he, can he get out of upstairs? Come on down. Yeah, come on, run. Brett's going to Ecuador. Kevin's going to Ecuador. Are you going to be okay being away from Sarah for five whole days? Are you going to be asking? Okay, I'm away for now. Okay, you'll make it. I'm so proud of our team. We're going to Ecuador. It's where a village that we've been, we've actually provided the food to feed all the kids for the whole year. And we're building the playground. And one, one of the things I'm so proud of, so many of these, these are, here's our drummer. He's going to Ecuador, our guitar player, our keyboard player, our media people, my wife, my wife, my wife, Senator Ecuador. Some of you are, are you going to be okay, Pastor Tom? Take me golfing. I'm Senator Ecuador. I'm just, how are we got, how are we got my plans? Paula, Jeff's wife, Jeff is, Jeff is back to doing our sound. But it's a, it, these guys are committed. Uh, I love this. I love that our team is committed, that they, that, that we, they don't wait, they're going. And, uh, they sacrifice. This is not, this is money out of their pocket that they're making to say, yeah, we're going to go and make a difference. And I want to say a prayer over them today. And just stretch your hands out to them today as we pray say this prayer. And let's believe, I, I'm Brett's going to try to keep us informed. Uh, if you haven't downloaded our church app, South Coast Christian on the Instagram, download it and be a part of it because they're going to keep us informed what's happening as they're traveling. Hopefully it's going to be difficult because they have to get to the hotel and get Wi-Fi. But keep track of them this week and be praying over them this week. So, Lord, we send this team. We thank you, Lord God, that they have made the sacrifice of time and money. And they're choosing, Lord, to go and just be a light in a village across. We are, we are called to be sent forth, not just into our local areas, but even to the uttermost parts of the world. And God, we send, Lord God, this team to Ecuador. I pray, God, that you'd fill them with the power of your spirit and an anointing upon them this week, Lord God, that lives will be touched and lives will be changed. And Lord God, addictions be broken. And Lord God, people be set free from, from sin. And Lord God, that people will see the light, your light, God, the light of Christ in, the, in our lives, Lord. Help us to make a difference this week in all that we do, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.